Turn with me to the book of Genesis. I'm going to read from Genesis 27. It's a, it's a long reading, um, but it is the word of God. We're going to try and look at 46 verses in roughly the same time that we looked about three or four this morning. There we go. Genesis 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like, and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Now Rebekah was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebekah said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so that I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him, and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and and the smooth part of his neck with the goatskins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. He went to his father and said, My father? Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau, so he blessed him. Are you really my son Esau, he asked. I am, he replied. 
Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him, and he ate, and he brought some wine, and he drank. Then his father Isaac said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of earth's richness an abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bows down, peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taking my blessing. Then he asked, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you, and I've made all his relatives his servants, and I've sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, Your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You will live by the sword, and you will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I'll kill my brother Jacob. When Rebekah was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban and Haran. Stay with them for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebekah said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. Well, we'll leave the reading there and thank God for his word.
over the past couple of um, Sunday mornings, as if you've been coming along, you'll be well aware. We have seen from Ephesians the recipe, if you like, for a God-centered, Christ-exalting marriage. How to have a happy home. Well, when we turn to the verses that we read earlier, we see almost the very opposite of that in the home of Isaac and Rebekah. And in those verses that, that we read, we have, if you like, four main characters who all to one extent or another contributes to what makes up for a divided family home. So what can we learn? And yet before we look at that, something that challenged me greatly as I was preparing this week, almost the two of them kind of going side by side, was how did it get to this? I, I don't know what you thought as you heard chapter 27 being read. It's kind of almost something that, that you couldn't make up. How did things get as bad as this? For we know, and I know it's been a wee while since we've been in Genesis, but, but you know your, your Bible's good enough or well enough. We, we know that Isaac had a good faith. He had a good trust in God. He, he witnessed at first hand God's dealings with him. We, we saw the last time that we looked at it that, that how together, husband and wife, uh, both, both Isaac and, 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 and Rebecca, of how they sought God, of how they prayed, of how they trusted. So, what's went wrong? Well, we aren't exactly told. However, it was a timely reminder that we must not take things or one another for granted. Isaac, like many, sins started well. Yet, brothers and sisters, a good start does not necessarily lead to a good finish. And this incident shows us how far this godly couple had moved from what they once were. So let us be careful, before we look at anything else, let us be careful about how we not just start, but actually how we also finish. Part of the problem, I think, today is so many people start and then any promise or 
any commitment or, or, or whatever kind of ways. Be careful that we keep going on with the Lord, that we don't take one another or we don't take things for granted. Anyway, that was a preamble. Let's look at four things concerning the four characters here. Firstly, we read about Isaac preparing. Preparation, as you're well aware, is important. It's important in many aspects of our life. And we're told here that Isaac is old, that his eyesight was almost gone. And so he decides to call in Esau, and he asks Esau to go and, and to hunt some wild game, to, to cook him a meal, and he will give to Esau his blessing before he dies. Now, we can't be sure of definite times here. But actually, most scholars reckon that Isaac lived something like another 20 years. So this might just have been just a little bit premature. But he said about preparing for his death, which like us all, he did not know the day of. And in some senses, this seems all good and well. What's wrong with that? Well, there are problems here. And it shows us how Isaac is not the man that he was before. In relation to both being a husband and in being a believer. And the reason that I say this is because as we read that chapter, it seems to me at least, and be good as we were thinking on last week, we'll recognize these people in heaven so we can have a conversation about them, or with them, sorry. But it doesn't seem to me to take God into account in this most solemn and important decision of passing on the blessing. You might say, well, where do you get that from? Well, firstly, he only calls in Esau. And normally, in this kind of situation, the whole family would gather. This is the equivalent kind of, of a last will and testimony. And yet he only calls in Esau. Secondly, such a blessing that he was looking to invoke upon Esau would usually have witnesses present in order to make it legal and binding. But he just calls Esau. Is Isaac trying to rush it through? And thirdly, seems to me that he has totally forgotten that actually God had ordained that the blessing that he wanted to give to Esau was actually to be Jacob's. Chapter 25, verses 21 to 23, it is clear that Jacob was to be the recipient of this blessing. Now you put all of these things together, 
seems to me that Isaac is not only kind of physically blind or dim of sight, but also spiritually short-sighted. We must never argue from what is known as silence in Scripture. But, but, but surely Rebecca must have mentioned to Isaac about what God had told her regarding the older serving the younger. I mean, if God, if God so clearly spoke to you about something, would you not share it with your husband, with your wife? Yet such is the tension that we read here that there is plotting and there is scheming, and we'll come to that in a minute, preparing and plotting and scheming without telling one another what they were doing. Isaac preparing for his death without speaking to his wife. You know, conversation would have sorted it all out. Rebecca, I'm just about to bestow the blessing on you, sir. Hold on, hold on. Don't you recall how God said it would be Jacob? But it seems that the lines of communication appear to have broken down altogether. God's out of the picture. And we so quickly become engulfed in getting our own way. Brother, sister, in all you're preparing for whatever, let's remember at all times to adhere to God's will and not try and force our own. Isaac's preparing left out of the equation, and it brought untold trouble. And that is what happens when we leave God out of the equation. Isaac's preparing. Secondly, we read about Rebecca's scheming. It was, I believe, well, it, well, it was, because I kind of looked it up. Walter Scott, who in a poem called Marmion, it's a little bit of culture for you this evening, okay, who said this, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. We're told that Rebecca was listening. And actually the word that is used there for listening, it actually means eavesdropping. Right? You know, it shows, it shows, that in itself shows something of the state that their marriage had got into. That she stand on eavesdropping. As I said, why just not have a conversation? Why just not talk to your husband about it? 
But no, Rebecca puts in place this almost ludicrous and, and certainly deceitful plan into action. You know, this is something, if you think back in Genesis, this is something that we've seen time and time again. They need to, as it were, give God a hand. Give God a hand in working out his purposes and his plan and his will. We, we saw it, for instance, regarding the birth of Isaac. It, it, it was too long in coming. God had promised it, but no, God, there's some, you need a hand to bring this to pass, God. So, so Abraham, go and sleep with Hagar. And perhaps Rebecca thought, if this, if what I've heard here, if this happens, then what's going to happen to the promise of the blessing being to Jacob? I better do something. And so she hatches, as I said, this scheme that, that is deceit. There is no other word for it. it. It's deceitful. It causes the family to break up. It requires Jacob to outright lie. I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of situation. You know, when we feel things just kind of, they're not going as we like here. Or we kind of think God would have, uh, 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 that, that God needs a push from us. Or to further the purposes of God, we need to take things into our own hands. Friends, there's a danger in that. There are consequences. And one of the consequences of this is that once Jacob is sent away, as far as I can see, that as I looked and read, as far as I can see, there is no other account of Rebecca seeing Jacob again. And it's bad enough when we scheme and plan things. And when we even get to that almost point of bravado that she's like here when she says, well, let the curse fall on me. Let any pro don't you worry about it, let the thing fall on me. But you see, the problem with that, brothers and sisters, is that very rarely are these things done in isolation. And we ask, well, what is going on here? I had a great chat after the evening service last Sunday about God's sovereignty and free will. And here's a classic example of it. Did Rebecca have free choice or did God in his sovereignty ordain this to happen? Someone kick off the conversation. Thank God for R.T. Kendall in his book. He says this. What we see here 
Is God working through weakness on Isaac's part and wickedness on the part of Rebekah and Jacob to fulfill his plans, his purposes, and his will? And we'll have loads of questions. But it's always been that way. And the underlining thing is that God's will and God's purposes will always be accomplished. Jacob, it was clear from God himself that Jacob was to receive the blessing. And that is what would happen. And yes, even though wickedness and even though weakness might try to either stop it or actually hasten it, Yet when God says something, when he so decrees as he did with the blessing for Jacob, nothing will stop it from happening. He will, excuse me, he will bring it to pass. And sometimes, and the whole mystery of his sovereignty is through weakness, sometimes it is through wickedness, but it is so much better, brothers and sisters, that we trust and we'll be. There really should be no part of scheming or deceitfulness in the life of any believer. God does not need our help to work out his plan and purpose. Just our trust. Just our trust. Even when as here, it seems as if it's all kind of going wrong. We can stand on every promise of his word. And God calls us to simply trust. When actually, if we're honest, sometimes to simply trust is the hardest thing of all. It's not fatalistic to trust in a sovereign, all-knowing God. Neither does it mean we sit about doing nothing. But it does mean that sometimes through our weakness, and indeed because of our weakness, God is able to work. And also through at times our wickedness, but there are consequences. As the old hymn says, it is best when we trust and obey. Two down, two to go. Isaac preparing, Rebecca scheming. Thirdly, we see Jacob lying. Sometimes there's things in the Bible that I, I kind of would prefer that they weren't there. I don't know if you ever do that when you look to preach or you think it'd be easier if this wasn't here but the Bible is so at times brutally honest and what we see here is, is Jacob agreeing to this scheme Jacob agreeing to this deceit Jacob pretending to be Esau Jacob could have said, no, I'm not doing that. It's not right, mum. 
but he decided to go along with it. Let me just say here, not just to young people, but to us all, be careful with the choices you make. Be careful with the choices you make. And as you make these choices, ask yourself this question. How will the choice that I make, how will it affect me in two years, five years, seven years, ten years? Because while we are free to choose, the choices you make today will determine what you will have and what you will be and what you will do in the tomorrows of your life. And don't be a willing partner in that which is clearly wrong. Jacob should have had no part in this altogether. It was wrong. And Jacob knows that it's wrong. Notice verse 12. <laughs> he says to his mom, I would appear to be tricking Appear? You're going to laugh. You will be tricking him. Knowingly deliberately, that there is, there is no grey area here. No matter how we look at it, no matter how we try to defend it, no matter even we might wish, desire, that it weren't here, Jacob lied. He lied willingly, he lied openly, and as far as I can count, on at least five occasions. And even when he was challenged again as to who he really was, he still lied. He went and he got the goats. And Rebecca cooks Isaac a dinner. And she gets Esau's clothes and she, she, she covered his hands with the, the goats. Can you see how willing he was? And he gives Jacob a dinner and, 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 and sends him in and he gives it to Isaac. Okay? Use your sanctified imagination. Enter into what is going on here in this family home. Jacob walks in. Dad? Yes, my son, who is it? Lie number one. I'm Esau, your firstborn. No, you're not. You're Jacob. Lie number two. I've done to you. I have done as you told me. Well, Isaac never told him to do anything. Lie number three. Sit up, Dad, and have some of my game. It's not game, it's goat done up. And he never made it. Lie number four is there in verse 20. Isaac may be old and blind, but he's not daft. He knows it takes time to go and hunt and then prepare. And he questions how Jacob was so quick. How come you're so quick? 
What does Jacob say? Do you notice what Jacob says? He, he kind of um, religionizes it. The Lord gave me success. Even God is now getting dragged into the cover-up. We're good at that. And his final lie, certainly for the time being, is when Isaac really is doubting, and, and obviously Isaac had grave doubts about this being Esau, eventually he asks him outright, verse 24, are you really my son Esau? And the open willingness, downright lying response is recorded for us in God's word. I am here, he replied. No, you're not. Apart from the obvious point about not lying and about being truthful in all matters, let's also learn, brothers and sisters, to be ourselves. Not pretend to be something or someone that we are not. One of the most liberating times in all of my Christian life so far was when I came to that point of realizing that I don't need to be anyone else. We are to be true to God. We are to be true to others. And we are to be true to ourselves. And that is a very liberating place to be. And then we see Jacob. has given the blessing. And I'm not going to go into all that that meant. And no sooner has he left. Then in comes Esau. If it wasn't so tragic, it would be comical. No sooner has he left than in comes Esau from hunting and cooking and everything is now going to be revealed. Isaac's preparing, Rebecca's scheming, Jacob's lying. Finally and very quickly in closing, Esau weeping. It became apparent right away that both Isaac and Esau realized that they had been deceived and that it was now impossible for, for the blessing to be given to someone else. It's already been bestowed. It can't be taken back and it can't be given to another. And we are told that though Esau sought the blessing with tears, nothing could be done. And all Isaac can do is answer him with the words that we find in verses, verses 39 and 40. They are hardly words of encouragement. 
your dad is giving you his final blessing, saying your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. You'll live by the sword. You'll serve you. James, thanks, Dad. Not very word, very good words of encouragement. Yeah, what we find is that the blessing that was bestowed upon Jacob actually came at a price. Because Esau is not best happy. It's an understatement. And he's actually determined to kill his brothers. Do you see the way this family has now got? What a mess. Do you see where the favoritism and the scheming and the lying has gotten them to. And once again, we're not told how, but once again, Rebecca hears of all of this. And she calls in Jacob and she tells him that, that kind of, sorry Jacob, but you're going to have to flee. And the family for now has burst up. Dysfunctional. And when Rebecca waves him off, as I said earlier, as far as I can see from Scripture, it's the last time that she sees him. Let me just finish here with a little bit of a warning. Because although we read that Esau sought this blessing with tears, it was not to be. It was too late. And actually, Hebrews 12, verses 16 and 17, give us something of the reason for that. Because there we read that Esau was sexually immoral, he was godless, and he cared not a jot about the birthright. And when he did, it was too late. The blessings of God are for those who earnestly seek them and we are to do that now. It's not for nothing that the psalmist tells us that today, today is the day of salvation. Don't be like Esau and despise your birthright and then realize one day when it's too late. Even tonight, we can enter into the blessings and the promises of God that are ours in Christ. And we will, if we seek them, we will find them. But we must do so now when we have the opportunity. The opportunity for Esau had passed. Don't let it pass for you. Jacob's preparing. Rachel's scheming. Jacob's lying. Esau's weeping. What a family structure. Let's pray. Father, we do 
thank you so much for your word. We realize how it speaks into even modern day society so sadly. For we do live in days where the family is under great attack. And Father, we thank you for the instructions in your word. And so we would pray for Christian homes, for Christian marriages, for Christian families. That we would know what it is above and beyond everything out of reverence for Christ to submit to one another. That we would know what it is to be filled and go on being filled by the Holy Spirit that we may live lives that are holy and pleasing to you. We pray that you would help us not to take the things that we have for granted. But that we would know what it is to seek the blessing of God upon our homes, upon our marriages, upon our families, upon the church. These things are written for our instruction. May we take them to heart and may the Spirit of God use the Word of God to make us more like the Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.